All right, so we'll be continuing our lesson this morning, looking at using the law lawfully. We're going to look at two of the laws in the Old Testament, and both of these actually have direct New Testament application to us, and so we're going to look at how those correlate with the New Testament. So the first one is found in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse number 19. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse number 19. We're going to look at the law for loving the stranger. Verse number 19, we see, Love ye therefore the stranger, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. And then let's turn to Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus 19 and verse 33. <clears throat> Coffee's done if y'all want to. Jump up and grab a cup. <clears throat> so Leviticus 19.33 And if a stranger sojourn with thee in your land, ye shall not vex him. But the stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born among you, and thou shalt love him as thyself. For you are strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So here we see twice... Uh, that the Jews were commanded to love all of the, the foreigners that were among them. That's what that word stranger means. It, it refers to the foreigners. Uh, it's the opposite of the phrase, one born in the land. Uh, let's go to Exodus chapter 12, verse 19. See how that word for stranger operates in Scripture. Exodus chapter 12. Verse 19, seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. For whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. So there you have your, your two opposites. You have the stranger, and then you have those born in the land. So the strangers are the foreigners. Uh, whether it's foreigners that are there as citizens or foreigners that are just there as tourists or travelers, uh, or they're there as, a, as permanent residents, uh, it doesn't matter. It's any stranger, any, the stranger refers to any foreigner who was in the land of Israel. So that's who they were commanded to love. Uh, if you can look down same chapter there, verse 48 and 49, you have another contrast between stranger and those born in the land. Uh, verse 49, one law shall be to him that is homeborn, and unto the stranger that sojourneth among you. So it's a, the opposite of the stranger is the one that's born there in the land. So that's the, the distinction there. So those are the people that they are commanded to love as themselves in Leviticus 19, verse 33. Now, also in Leviticus 19:33, they were forbidden from vexing or oppressing the strangers that were among them. That's also seen in Exodus chapter 22. Just a few chapters over here. Exodus chapter 22. Verse number 21. Thou shalt neither vex a stranger nor oppress him, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. So they're not to do anything to oppress strangers. And then one chapter over, chapter 23, verse 9. Also thou shalt not oppress a stranger. For ye know the heart of a stranger, seeing you are strangers in the land of Egypt. 
Okay, and so again, God is telling the Jews, direct command here, you're not to oppress the stranger, you are to love the stranger. Uh, treat him as yourself. So very strict uh, command here for the Jews for how they were to treat the foreigners that were among them. No oppression, and treat them just as good as you would want yourself to be treated also. Because the reason being, you were strangers in Egypt, they oppressed you, they vexed you, they didn't love you. You know how that terrible that feels, so you should be able to treat the strangers correctly, since you know how it feels to be treated incorrectly. Okay, now also, we saw in Exodus 12.49, uh, if you want to turn back there about there being one law for both him that is homeborn and one that is a stranger, that was another aspect of the, the laws regarding strangers, is that they were to have the same treatment under the law. There's not to be one law for foreigners and then one law for citizens. Foreigners and citizens were to have the same law at all times applied to both of them. Uh, Exodus 12:49. One law shall be to him that is homeborn and unto the stranger that sojourneth among you. And then let's turn to Leviticus chapter 24. Leviticus 24, verse number 22. <clears throat> you shall have one manner of law, as well for the stranger as for one of your own country. I am the Lord your God. And then one more verse for this one, Numbers 15 and verse 29. Numbers 15. And verse 29. Ye shall have one law for him that sinneth through ignorance, both for him that is born among the children of Israel and for the stranger that sojourneth among them. But the soul that doeth aught presumptuously, whether he be born in the land or a stranger, the same reproacheth the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from among his people. And so here we have leniency because of ignorance of the law, and then you have the strict application of the law because it's the sin was presumptuous. They knew what was what they were doing was wrong and they still did it anyway. And in both cases, the stranger and the citizen are to be treated exactly the same. So there's to be no distinction in how they're treated before the law. You don't you don't have mercy on a citizen and then strict judgment against a, a stranger for the same circumstance. They're all to be treated equally. So there's to be no legal difference in Israel between the foreigners and the citizens. So that was the law in the, in the Old Testament. Foreigners and citizens were both to be, to be loved. They were both to be treated as neighbors. Uh, they were both to be treated equally under the law. And there's to be no oppression of those that were foreigners in the land of Israel. So that was the Old Testament command. Now in the New Testament... We are actually commanded to follow this exact same law. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 13. <clears throat> Hebrews 13 verse number 2. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, 
for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. And so here we have a command for us as New Testament believers, as Christians, that we are not to be forgetful to entertain strangers. And it's kind of implied here that you already know this, because he doesn't say, always entertain strangers. He says, don't forget that you're supposed to entertain strangers. And so it's implied that this is this should be common sense. This is something that, that you should already know because of the attitude that God has towards strangers all throughout the Old Testament. And in fact, we didn't look at anywhere close to all the verses about strangers in the Old Testament. You can pull that up and look through. There's many places where it says that God loves the strangers. And so with that statement, you, we should know, obviously, in the New Testament, since God loves strangers, we're supposed to love strangers. And this phrase here, to entertain strangers, now we're going from the Hebrew in the Old Testament, where you have the word stranger is the word ger, and it's means someone that's from a different location. And then you come here to the Greek word, entertain strangers, and so you have to make sure that the Greek and the Hebrew are talking about the same thing, not just say the same English word was used to translate the two of them, because when you're looking at going between multiple languages, uh, there's a lot of room for error and confusion there. So let's look at the Greek word here. The word entertain strangers is actually a compound word in the Greek, and it's phloxenia or philoxenia, there we go, be the proper pronunciation. So philoxenia is the uh, the Greek word that's translated here, entertain strangers. It's a combination of two words. Both of them should be somewhat familiar to you. The first one is phileo, which you should be familiar with that. That's one of the words for love in the New Testament, and it refers to brotherly love. So that's that love that you have for other members of your family, that that camaraderie that you have uh, among brothers. So that's the first word, phileo. The second word is xenos, which should be familiar with you. We have it in English with xenophobia. Uh, it's a word for alien, someone from a different location, not from this area. Uh, and so what you have here is phil uh, philoxenia, I cannot say it correctly, philoxenia, there we go, philoxenia, would be the command for Christians to have brotherly love toward aliens. And the word alien, of course, doesn't mean space creatures. It means someone from a different location. So we are to have a brotherly love toward those that are around us but are from a different location. And that's what it means here with entertain strangers. So it does mean the exact same thing that the Jews were commanded uh, to observe toward strangers in their days. And it's interesting to note the explanation for why we're supposed to entertain strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. So by showing this brotherly love towards strangers, sometimes in doing that, you entertain angels unawares, without your knowledge. You're actually taking care of angels, showing brotherly love toward angels that God has sent to take care of one thing or another as he sends his angels throughout, all throughout the earth to take care of things. And we know that angels can take physical form. We see that many times throughout the Bible. Uh, and this specifically tells us that sometimes when you're taking care of strangers, foreigners that aren't from your area, you're actually taking care of angels. And it's a, one of the reasons that is given for loving strangers and doing good to them. 
Uh, and so it's interesting. Uh, it's not something that you can look at per se and say, hey, I know that person was an angel and I took care of him. Good for me. You know, it's not not to be a, a point of pride or anything. It's just you would feel bad if <clears throat> you got to heaven and God said, hey, I had this angel of mine that's coming through town on a mission that I sent him on. And I told him he could stop by your house and you would take care of him, and you didn't. Yeah, that would be, be quite an embarrassment before the Lord if, if that were made known. So, keeping that in mind, that this foreigner may actually be an angel, we should also, or that should be an added encouragement to us to take care of him if the commands of God are not enough encouragement already. Okay, so here we see that, that Christians are directly commanded to follow that same law of loving the stranger, treating them right, and uh, if you think of the, the brotherly love, you remember in Leviticus it said to, to love the stranger as thyself. That's that same concept of brotherly love. All right, now let's also look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, and here it's not given as a command, but more as uh, an observation. 1 Timothy chapter 5 And verse, let's start in verse number 9. Let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore years old, having been the wife of one man. And so now we're going to give some qualifications of which widows to be taken care of by the church. So first, they have to be over uh, six or 60 years old or older. They have to have been the wife of one man. And then they have to be well reported of for good works, verse number 10. And then there's a list of the good works followed at the end with if she have diligently followed every good work. So you have doing good works. Here's a few examples. We want her to have done good works like these. And in those examples, you have if she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers. Okay, and so there's the, the entertaining strangers, a, a widow that's to be accepted as a widow in the church and, and cared for by the church, the church providing for her needs. Uh, one of the requirements was that she be well reported of for good works, like taking care of foreigners. And that was one of the, the things that showed that a widow was a good person and qualified to be taken care of by the church. So in the New Testament, Christians are directly commanded to follow the same principle and the same attitude toward foreigners that the Jews were commanded to follow in the Old Testament. All right, any comments or questions on that one before we move on to the next one? It does, yep. It, Can you tell us Yes, um, we've talked about immigration from time to time. Um, I actually have an article on my website on uh, the Bible and immigration. Only one right now. I'm working on I'm working on a full-fledged uh, treatment of the subject on the Bible and immigration. But it's slow work. It'll be several years before I get that one finished. <laughs> but yes, this does have many implications for, for immigration. All right, let's move on to the next one. and It's found in Leviticus chapter 19. And this is the command to have honest measurements. So having honest measurements, Leviticus chapter 19, verse number 35. 
Ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment, in metered, in weight, or in measure. Just balances, just weights, a just ephah, and a just hen shall ye have. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. So the Jews were commanded in the Old Testament to have an established system of measurements to ensure fair business practices. So that's what this command is. You're, you're to have a, a just balance, meaning your balance is always equal. You set it up so that if you're selling uh, a pound of rice, you have an accurate pound weight on the other side that you're measuring that pound of rice by. So you don't put up false weights so that the person gets uh, less rice for their money than they're supposed to. Okay, so just balances, just weights, a just ephah, and a just hen. The, the ephah is, is a form of money. And so all of that uh, has to be <coughs> established. They're commanded to have that established uh, by law and to have uh, fair business practices guaranteed uh, in Israel. Let's look also in Deuteronomy chapter 25 and verse 13. Deuteronomy 25, verse number 13. Thou shalt not have in thy bag diverse weights, a great and a small. Thou shalt not have in thine house diverse measures, a great and a small. But thou shalt have a perfect and just weight, a perfect and just measure shalt thou have, that thy days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. For all that do such things, and all that do unrighteously, are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. Okay, and then let's go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 11. And verse number 1. Proverbs 11, 1. A false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. And then turn over a couple chapters to Proverbs 20. Proverbs 20 and verse number 10. Diverse weights and diverse measures, both of them are alike abomination to the Lord. And in verse number 23, diverse weights are an abomination unto the Lord, and a false balance is not good. So we see throughout the Old Testament this command that they're to have this established system of measurement that ensures fair business practices. And they stray from that and they have unjust and unfair business practices as far as the, the weights and measures and the value of the money. Uh, that's all an abomination to the Lord. Now let's go to Amos chapter 8. And we can see just how strongly... God is opposed to this. Those who violate this command to have that the just weights and the just measures, uh, they're guilty of fraud. That's what it would be in, in our modern terminologies is fraud. And God vowed that he would never forget the sin of those that are fraudulent in their business. Look at uh, Amos chapter 8. Verse number 4. 
Hear this, O ye that swallow up the needy, even to make the poor of the land to fail, saying, When will the new moon be gone that we may sell corn, and the Sabbath that we may set forth wheat, making the ephah small and the shekel great, and falsifying the balances by deceit, that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of shoes, yea, and sell the refuse of the wheat? The Lord hath sworn by the excellency of Jacob, Surely I will never forget any of their works. And so God is saying, he looks down on, on these fraudulent businessmen, and he said, I will never forget your works. I'm going to punish you. I'm not going to forget. I'm not going to forgive. You're going to suffer for, for these works. Uh, and then turn over to Micah chapter 6. Micah chapter 6, we'll start in verse number 8, which is a very familiar verse. So Micah 6 and verse number 8. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. And most people just kind of read that one verse and leave it there. But let's look at verses 10 through 13 and see a little bit about those that are not following this verse and what God says about them. Are there yet treasures of wickedness in the house of the wicked? And scant measure that is abominable. That scant measure, that's an unjust measure. It's an inaccurate measure. Excuse me. Shall I count them pure with the wicked balances and with the bag of deceitful weights? For the rich men thereof are full of violence, and the inhabitants thereof have spoken lies, and their tongue is deceitful in their mouth. So what is God going to do? Verse number 13. Therefore, all, therefore also will I make thee sick and smiting thee, and making thee desolate because of thy sins. Okay, and so he's going to send a sure punishment against those that are fraudulent in their business, those that have the, the wicked balances, the deceitful weights, the false measures. He is going to make sure that they reap what they sow. He's going to make them sick, he's going to smite them, and he's going to make them desolate. And so God was very serious uh, about this command to the Jews, that they have a very uh, sound, established system for measurements and weights, and that they follow sound business practices. So that's the Old Testament command, but does it apply to us in the New Testament? Well, to see that it applies to us in the New Testament, let's first go to Deuteronomy 25 and verse 16. Not in the New Testament, but we can see something about this particular law in Deuteronomy 25. There are a certain collection of laws that have this said of them. And verse, verse 16 of Deuteronomy 25, For all that do such things, and all that do unrighteously, are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. This verse shows that this law is universal in scope. This was not just a law for the Jews under the law of Moses in, in the Old Testament. This law was universal. So it applied to everyone at all times. All that do such things are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. And there are other laws that that is said of, but it's a small fraction of the total 613 laws that the Jews recognize. Just a small little portion of them, God said, 
all that do these things are an abomination unto me. Right, and one of those laws, one of those things that he said, everyone, no matter what, anyone who does this is an abomination. One of those was those who are fraudulent in their business. So the first thing we see is that this Old Testament command, even though it's given in the Old Testament, it is specifically identified as being universal in its scope. Okay, but we can also look in the New Testament and see that it's specifically condemned in the New Testament as well. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 6. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. Okay, so here we have a direct command. You're not to defraud your brother in any matter. Uh, and then the statement, the Lord is the avenger of all such, that refers back to the Old Testament teachings about God surely punishing uh, those who are fraudulent in their business and not forgetting uh, the fact that uh, they were fraudulent. And then you have, as we also have forewarned you and testified, this is the first mention that I've found uh, of fraudulent business in the New Testament. But Paul says, as we also have forewarned you and testified, meaning he was teaching this all along, and they just didn't write it down. It was never made into part of Scripture until his letter to the Thessalonians. Uh, but the command is given here that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner. And then let's also go to James chapter 5. Okay, in James chapter 5 we see, Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. And so here we have James talking to those who have gotten rich through fraud. And he says the, the cry of those that are suffering because of your fraud has entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. And Give me just a second. I forgot to write down what Sabaoth means here. I have looked it up many times, and I always end up forgetting. Well, it doesn't say here. Give me just a second. Mm-hmm. get my Bible software to cooperate here. There we go. Okay, it's the Lord of the Lord of the armies, the Lord of the hosts, that's what it is. So it's saying these have entered into the cries of these people have entered into the ears of the Lord of the armies of heaven. So it's sort of a threat. You know, not just not just that this has entered into the ears of God. But this is entered into the ears of God who commands these vast legions of armies. And he is surely able to seek vengeance against you and make you pay for your fraudulent business practices. 
Okay, so that's that's the command repeated in the New Testament. Uh, first that in First Thessalonians four verse six, we see that it specifically condemned no man is to defraud his brother in any matter, and in James five, uh, those who have committed fraud, uh, James says that God hears the cries of their victims, and God is ready to judge at any time since He's the Lord of the armies of heaven. All right, so we see that the Old Testament command here is repeated again in the New Testament. And it's also stated in the Old Testament as being universal in its scope. So this command to have honest measures, honest business practices, that applies to us as Christians as well. Any comments or questions? Well, that's all we have for today. Get out just a few minutes early here. Russell, why don't you dismiss us in prayer? <coughs> I would.